0: A very good morning on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to Take 10 for Talmud. We are recording in Silver Spring, Maryland, and are so glad that you can join us. Gitin Daf Mem, Gitin 40a, pagination is 79, about 12 lines from the top. We begin with a statement from Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. A slave that wore tefillin in front of his master, and his master simply didn't object, that's the way we understand this statement initially, he goes free because the master did not object to his wearing tefillin. Let's back up and understand what kind of status we're dealing with and why this might be an indicator of his freedom. A non-Jew that becomes enslaved to a Jew in the time of this Talmudic literature that's being described would have the status of a partial Jewish orientation, obligation of mitzvahs, in a certain regard, similar to a woman, and tefillin was not an obligation that the evid had, and therefore he would typically not observe tefillin. Especially tefillin, it's a pe'er, it's an ornament, it's a special status, and the evid typically would not be doing that. What happened over here, as we initially understand it, is that he put on tefillin in front of the master, and the master saw and did not object, that perhaps is an indicator that he is free. Teisvis points out, The issue over here is not that putting on tefillin for a person who is not obligated in tefillin is a blessing in vain. In other words, he's doing something terribly wrong. Says Teisvis, that's not really true. That's not where the proof lies. A slave at this point has the same status as a woman. And a woman's status is, she's not obligated in these mitzvahs, but she's allowed to do the mitzvahs, and if she chooses to do the mitzvahs, she does recite a bracha. For example, Teisvah cites the examples of shofar, lulav, and sukkah, which are mitzvahs aseishah, hasman grama, time-oriented mitzvahs. A woman is absolved of them. Nevertheless, common custom, is that women do do these mitzvahs with a bracha, when they choose to do them. And therefore, going back to the case of Eved, the mere fact that he's wearing tefillin and made a bracha on the tefillin is not a proof, not a compelling proof, that he's a free man, and now he's obligated, because even if he wasn't obligated, he could go ahead and do such a thing, just like women can go ahead and do such a thing and recite a bracha. Ela, Teisva says, this is more of a social type proof. Mishum it's not normal for an ever to wear tefillin. It's not a legal proof, Teisva points out. It's more of a social proof. The fact is that if he had not been freed, he would not be putting on tefillin. And that's initially our understanding of this situation, simply because he's wearing the tefillin in the presence of the Master, and the Master did not object. The Gemara objects. Meisfey, I'll ask you a question. The case of Hiniach tefillin b'fnei rabo, He puts on tefillin in front of his master, Or similarly, he read publicly three psukim in front of his master, and the master did not object. He does not go free. We have a contradiction here to the statement of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi as we understood it. The original statement was in the presence of the Master he does go free and this statement is in the presence of the Master he does not go free. Amarabah um, Bar Bar barab Bar says says Kisharabohi Niach Lo The case that he would go free is when the Master helped him with putting on Tefillin. And in such a case it would be an act that declares the slave's freedom, interestingly the Ramban tells us, and we would force the master to now write a document of the slave's freedom, so that he will become a regular Jew, similar to a Ger, a convert. One wonders why do we require a document, if indeed he's free, because of the Master's action helping him put on tefillin. And there are a number of approaches. One approach is that he is free, but we're worried that the Master might one day call him, Oh, oh, my slave! And we want to make sure that we put an end to that relationship, and therefore we obligate him to write a document once it's signed, the slave has a paper that declares what occurred. Another possibility is that this ruling is not 100% definitive. It's an umdona. It's an assumption. We never heard clearly that he freed the slave. We never saw the documentation or the kinyan that caused the slave to become free. It's an assumption if he's helping him with Tfilin. It must be he set him free. An umdina can work by financial matters because at this point, when the master asks the slave to do work for him, the slave says back, we have an assumption that you set me free. You can't obligate me to work for you. However, when it comes to Isurim, who he's going to marry, we need more than an assumption. <clears throat> and therefore, the purpose of this document is is to make the status definitive. In any case, going back to our Gomorrah, if the slave was wearing tefillin on his own and the master did not object, then the ruling, as the Rambam presents it, based on this Gomorrah, is that he's not going to be free just because lo michabo is lo The Rambam is in Avadim ches yudzain. But if the master is the one who helped him with the tefillin, that would be an act that's reasonably definitive. It's still going to require a get shechur for whatever reason, but. The fact that the Master helped him with tefillin would cause the Evid to enter the freed status. Thank you for joining.